Welcome to Real Life. Hi, I'm Jim Miller, and you're listening to the Real Life LA podcast, coming to you from the Southern California foothills town of Glendora, California. We're a church for everyone, and we exist to lead lost people to Jesus, building a community of grace with a God-sized vision that reaches from generation to generation. As you hear today's message, we pray that God speaks specifically to you, opens your heart, and shows you how to live each day with more joy, beauty, and wonder. Welcome to Real Life. I'm Jim. If you're here for the first time, it's good to see you. Uh, I love being able to be here with you on Sundays. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a powerful week. And uh, God is doing all kinds of neat things in the lives of our congregation members and, uh, and in our church here. Um, Kevin shared, uh, somebody stepped forward last weekend and decided to follow Jesus for the first time. So we celebrate that uh, every single week. Uh, we're in a... Um, we're in a series uh, in which we're looking at steps of faith, and in particular, looking at those moments in the Bible where Jesus said to his disciples, oh, you of little faith. And uh, I think each time he says it, he means something a little bit different by the word faith. And so we're looking at these different instances and what he meant when he said that. Uh, and somebody last weekend decided to step out in faith and say, hey, I'm going to try, try following Jesus for the first time. Uh, and you can do that anytime you want. Anytime you feel like you've come to that place where you're open to it, you're not sure what it means, you don't know all of how it works, but you're willing to say, hey, Jesus, I think you're there, and I think you know more about this life than I do. And see, he could be calling you right now. If, you, if you're ready, just pick up the phone and answer. No, pick it up. <laughs> if, you're, if you're ready to answer the call, uh, Jesus is just going to rush in and, and uh, work in your life and begin to speak to you. Uh, and it's just a powerful moment. So anytime you come to that moment, just in prayer, say, hey, Jesus, I'm ready. And, and he is He is too. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, going on this week. I've got, uh, we've had a powerful week. We had a, a seminar on listening to the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you more about that today, uh, this week, and, and did some great outreach. I think we probably said hello to over 1,000 uh, students at APU this week as they came back to Welcome Week. So pray for all of those students who are beginning a new school year, no matter what grade level they're in, students who have moved away. Pray for families who have sent a kid off to college or off to, to work somewhere. That's a, a big challenge on families, but, but pray for all those. Uh, I'm going to take a minute and pray for some specific specific needs in the congregation. Uh, make sure you pray for somebody who had surgery this last week and is now healing. Pray for somebody who has surgery this coming week and pray that they uh, come through that gracefully. Uh, pray for uh, families out there who are going through divorce proceedings, who have who've entered divorce proceedings or are newly divorced, and the world is not the way they wanted it to be and not the way they expected it to be, uh, and God, God loves them deeply and that hurt. So let's, let's pray God's peace in their lives. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that you love us, and I thank you that no matter where we come from this morning, no matter how holy or how broken, no matter how clean or how dirty our lives have been, you love us, you cherish us, you, you long to scoop us up in your arms. Just like a, a parent runs to grab a baby who cries, God, when we hurt and call out to you, you come running. And so that is the prayer of our hearts this morning. No matter what our hurts are, whether they are physical or relational or spiritual, we call out to you, come get us. Papa, come get us. Now, Jesus, send your Holy Spirit into this room and touch hearts that need you. 
Open up our ears and our eyes that we might see and might hear. And use my words so that we might uh, follow after where you're calling. Uh, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. All right, we are uh, now in a series uh, on faith because faith is that sort of key to unlocking the supernatural in your life. God uh, loves it when we believe just enough to trust him. And last week we talked about that moment where Peter got out of the boat and stepped on the water and just for a second walked on water. And Jesus Jesus just longs for that moment where we'll trust him enough to get out of the boat and to, to walk on water, to step on the water. Uh, and so Jesus is here in this room. He's, he's over in the chapel. He's with everybody who's watching online today. Uh, and he just wants us to step out in prayer and in faith, take that first step and say, I trust you. Uh, open in your Bibles with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to look at a, another moment in the life of Jesus where he's with his disciples. Uh, and he comes to one of those great you of little faith moments. Uh, and you'll see that he means something a little bit different by faith today. When it was Peter walking on the water. And Peter started to sink. Jesus says, you have little faith because Peter needs to completely and confidently trust in Jesus. Faith has a slightly different sense in the text today. Uh, This is Matthew chapter 16 at verse 1. Listen to the word of God. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. Uh, Now, if you're a regular around here or if you've been listening to the podcast at reallife.la, you know that we talk about the Pharisees and the Sadducees a lot because Jesus' daily calendar was work a miracle, fight with a Pharisee, work a miracle, fight with a Pharisee. The Sadducees and the Pharisees were two Jewish sects in the first century world, and they didn't agree with each other on everything. They liked debating with each other, but together, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees formed this supreme court of the Jewish nation. There were 70 of them, and about half from each group formed the supreme court. And it was a theocracy. It was not a, it was, there was no separation of church and state. It was a, a, a state ruled by God's law. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees would read their Bible, God's law, and interpret it for all the legal cases for God's people, for the Jewish people. And, uh, and that's the, the context of the first century world. Now, they did not like Jesus because Jesus was not one of them, but he had a huge following and he taught with authority instead of just as the teachers of the law who would go through their Bible and analyze the text and talk about what other rabbis said. Jesus spoke as though he knew who God was. Sometimes it sounded like he was claiming to be God and they were offended by him. Worse yet, he had a huge following. There were hundreds and thousands of people who were following him around everywhere. Worse yet, they were the worst kind of people. He was hanging out with prostitutes and Roman tax collectors and people with leprosy. It was all the people that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were trying to keep away. And here Jesus is ruining their plan. So they come to Jesus and they ask him for a sign. Now, by this point, he's been going around working miracles all over, all over the place. He's raised the dead. He's healed the sick. Uh, he's walked on water. And the last thing uh, they need is another sign. And so you know they're kind of razzing him a little bit. They're going to Jesus and say, give us another sign. Show us that you are who you say you are. Verse 2, he replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning... Today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. Uh, Now, do you know what he's talking about here? There's actually a little 
two-line couplet, a rhyming couplet that has survived history uh, because it's, it's right here. And it's uh, red sky at night, sailors delight, red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. You know what I'm talking about? So three of you, that's great, that's good. So the, three, the four of us are in a little club and everybody else is out. Okay. Red sky at night, sailors like, I finally figured out this week, I actually looked at this, I finally figured out what it's talking about. So, so the wind blows west to east, right? This is the jet stream, right? Blows the westerly wind, right? Blows west to east. And so at night, if the sun is setting in the west and you can see red clouds, it means the clouds are not in the west blocking the sun, they're in the east. And so the light is shining on the bottom of the clouds, which are to the east. Well, if you're a sailor and the clouds are to the east, that means they're blowing away from you. So that's good, you're not gonna get rained on. But if the sun comes up in the morning, rises in the east, and you see red clouds, it means the clouds aren't in the west, they're in the east, which means they're coming your way and you're going to get rain. That's what that means. There you go. So um, as far as I can tell, that's rarely accurate and it's completely irrelevant. <laughs> you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. You Pharisees and Sadducees, you know how to look at the weather and say what the weather's going to be tomorrow. You have all kinds of plans and strategies for how life is supposed to work and how the kingdom is supposed to work and how our people are supposed to be ruled. You think you know everything. And then when God stands in front of you, you don't recognize him. What good is that? What good is that for you to, to know the Bible forwards and backwards and you memorize it and you debate it and you interpret it and take care of all of our legal cases and you don't know God when he stands in front of you? What good is that? It's, a, it's entirely possible to know the Bible well and still get life wrong. It's entirely possible to have a strategy for how you're going to go at life and still get life wrong. You can, you can think ahead and plan ahead and still li live your whole life the wrong way. You've seen people do it. You've seen people make plans for their lives and still all the way through just get it wrong. It, it starts when we're young. When we're, um, when we're single, we think, oh, I'm lonely. I'd be happy if I were dating somebody. I better start dating somebody. And then you start dating somebody and you say, what was I thinking? There's so much drama. I have to figure this out now. This is so hard. Maybe we'll, happy, we'll be happy when we get married. And then you get married and you say, what were we thinking? Now we have to cooperate. This is going to last the rest of our lives. We have to figure out how to work together. Maybe we'll be happy when we have kids. And then you have kids. And you say, what were we thinking? We're tired all the time. We never sleep. We're like zombies walking around. We never even see each other anymore. Maybe we'll be happy when we have teenagers. And you have teenagers. You're like, what were we thinking? They're rebellious. They don't do anything we want. We're a failure as parents. This is terrible. Maybe we'll be happy when they move out of the house. And then they go off to college and you think, what were we thinking? We're broke. We have no money. How have we gotten this far in life and we still have nothing? This is terrible. Maybe we'll be happy when they graduate. And then they graduate and you say, what were we thinking? They've moved back in. They're still here. They won't leave. Maybe we'll be happy when they get married and have kids of their own. And then finally, 15 years later, they move out of your house and they get married and they have kids of their own. And you think, what were we thinking? We're not young anymore. This is tiring. These kids have so much energy. How am I supposed to do this? I'm a grandparent. I can't do this anymore. Maybe I'll be happy when they're teenagers. And then you die.
you can go at life with a strategy and still get the whole thing wrong. I mean, you can, you can think that you know the future, you know what's happening, and still get it all wrong. The Pharisees are just like that. They can predict the weather, they know the scriptures, they know the law, and they still don't recognize God when he stands right in front of them. What good is that? Well, Jesus doesn't want them doing that, and Jesus doesn't want us doing that. And Jesus is going to talk now specifically about what problem the Pharisees have. Verse 5. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. See, they realize they've forgotten bread, and Jesus is now using that as an object lesson to teach them about what he wants to teach them about. They discussed this among themselves and said, it is because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus said, I'm not talking about a recipe, you morons. No, no, no. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, you of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many basketfuls you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the 4,000 and how many basketfuls you've gathered? He's referring back to miracles that he's done where he took just a few loaves of bread and fed thousands of people miraculously with them. And he's looking at them and saying, you think I can't make bread if I need it? You think I'm complaining that we don't have sandwiches when what you've already seen me do is to multiply bread like that? How do you still, how do you still not understand you of little faith? How is it that you do not understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Good job, disciples. Uh, so, so here Jesus says to them, you of little faith. Now, when he says that to Peter, Peter sees the wind and the waves and he's scared and he starts to sink into the lake that he's walking on. When, when Jesus says that to Peter, he means, how do you not have more trust? Here, when he says to the disciples who have totally misunderstood his object lesson, he seems to mean that faith has a, a component of understanding, of understanding who Jesus is and how he feels, and what he says, of knowing his teachings well enough that his teachings resonate with us, that when he says things, we start to understand them because we've been immersed in Jesus' teachings. Jesus is saying, look, you've literally seen me work miracles with bread. How could you think that's what the issue is? You of little understanding faith. right? And faith does have this component of trust and a component of understanding. We need to trust wholly in who Jesus is. But we need to understand who he is. We need to understand a bit of how he talks. We need to understand what matters to him, what he loves and what he hates. And when he does things as we follow after him, those should start to resonate. Those should start to make us say, oh, I've seen him do that before. I've heard him say that before. I knew he thought that way. He said that over and over again. And what he expects the disciples to catch on, catch on to when he says, beware the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he expects them to catch on to the fact that he has always been bothered by these religious uh, uh, critics, these, these self-righteous religious teachers who use their faith to beat down other people. He's, he's spent every day, work a miracle, fight with a Pharisee. Work a miracle, fight with a Pharisee. This is the daily schedule of Jesus. And he looks at the disciples and said, how are you not getting that yet? Oh, you of little faith. If you follow Jesus around, 
if you get to know his teachings, if you try to imitate him, you should start to realize what actually does bother him, what actually does annoy him. You know, you know like with your spouse or, like, or your, your significant other, you kind of know what bothers them, right? You kind of, over time, you get used to, ah, that's probably going to bother them. I know them well enough to know how that's going to go. It's like my, my wife and I. Uh, my wife and I, yeah, a couple weeks ago, my wife says, uh, hey, we're going we're gonna to go to Ikea. We need a, a new couch. Uh, and I said, you don't get to dictate that to me. You don't get to just decide that we're getting a new couch. I'm, I'm part of this conversation as well. Maybe I don't want a new couch. Maybe I'm just going to say no out of principle. So anyway, we're at Ikea shopping for a couch. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and it's funny because my wife and I now have had, sat on the same furniture for 20 years, and we kind of know our tastes, and we've kinda, we kind of have the same taste in sofas. And so, you know, you, you sit on the couch, you can't have one where, where the back is too low because it doesn't support you, and, and you can't have one where the cushions are too long. We're not a tall family. You can't have one where the cushions are too long because then your legs stick out like a little kid, so you don't want that. And it can't be too hard because that's kind of sticky, and you can't be too soft because that's too cushy. So we kind of, we went out and we kind of bonded together over mutual annoyance over couches that are made wrong. And that's kind of a neat thing, where you are annoyed by the same thing your spouse is. You unite against the common enemy. And, um, and so, so Jesus wants us, after following him, after listening to him, after imitating him, to realize what kinds of things annoy him and to be annoyed by the same things. Now, focus on this, because if you are a Christian person who has been going to church consistently in recent decades you may have this one entirely wrong. In recent decades, Christian leaders and speakers uh, with big audiences and great popularity have told us that the key issues that we should annoy be annoyed about are gay marriage and abortion and issues of sexuality and drug use and any laundry list of social issues that everybody's hot under the collar about. Look at the life of Jesus. The things that annoy him most the issues he is most concerned with is self-righteousness, judgmentalism, and greed. He goes back to those over and over and over again. All the rest of those are very important too. But let's get the ones that he was annoyed with right first, and then we'll deal with the rest of the list. The Pharisees know God's word forwards and backwards and inside out, and they have used it to become self-righteous and judgmental. They use the Bible to beat other people over the heads with it. Jesus hated that. How on earth do we have a church 2,000 years later filled with Christians that go around beating people over their heads with their Bibles? How do you get there? The things that annoyed Jesus most were self-righteousness, judgmentalism, and greed. And he names that over and over and over again. If, if we start to follow Jesus, if we listen to Jesus, if we imitate Jesus, if we, if we do what he calls us to do, increasingly, we should be annoyed by the things that annoy Jesus. And once we deal with his list, then we can get to all the other important issues as well. But only once we've learned that, that God's view of the law is different than a lot of religious people have it. And here's the distinction. Here's the difference. This is the, this is the yeast of the Pharisees. The Pharisees had learned to see God's love through the lens of God's law. When they looked at God's love, they saw his law first. Jesus wanted them to see God's law through the lens of God's love. See God's love first and understand his law through his love. The Pharisees used the law to say, only if you behave well enough will God love you. Only if you do the right things will God love you. Only if you get everything sorted out do you have any business talking to God. 
Jesus goes to the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the lepers, the rejects, the Samaritans, the outcasts, and he loves them. And he loves them. And he says, look, if you will let me love you, I will help you live a good and faithful and healthy life. I'm not throwing the law away. I'm switching it so that we see the lens of God's law through the lens, that we see God's law through the lens of God's love. If you and I follow after Jesus, after days and months and weeks and years, we ought more and more to see God's law through the lens of God's love, not God's love through the lens of God's law. Does that make sense? That's the yeast of the Pharisees. Because if you let legalism creep in in just a little way, when you start to get to know the Bible, and you start to feel like you kind of know your way around, you know a little bit more than the person you're married to. That's a good one. You know a little bit more about it than them. You start to feel good about yourself. If you let the yeast of legalism creeps in, what will spread through the entire uh, loaf of dough is self-righteousness. Just a spiritual uppityness, a spiritual pride that makes you look down on other people who haven't got it as figured out as much as you do. And you and I both know our lives are just as broken as everybody else's. But if you've been following God for a while, you start to hide it a little bit better. You've been following him for a while, so you, you learn to, how you're supposed to behave at church. And then you start to look down your nose at other people. That's the yeast of the Pharisees. Jesus says, beware the yeast of the Pharisees. Don't let it get into your faith even just a little bit. How could you not have seen this, disciples? You have little faith. I've talked about this every day. Uh, so that's, a, that's the, the calling of Jesus, that we would be annoyed by the things that annoy him. Uh, and, and also, in turn, that we would love the things that he loves, that we would begin to listen to his voice and know what he talks about and know what he feels a deep affection for and know what he cares about. As we follow after Jesus more and more, we ought to recognize his voice when it whispers in our hearts and calls us to love other people. Uh, it's kind of like something that happened here at Real Life uh, a little while ago. Uh, there was a, a guy named Tom Sweeney, who's a friend of our congregation, and he founded God's Pantry, which is a pantry we help at every single month. And, uh, and he stood up here and talked to the, the church. And uh, not everybody knows this, but, but years ago, Tom Sweeney was a football coach, and I think it's middle school that he coached. Uh, and there was a guy in our church, Spencer, who was on Tom's team many years ago. Uh, Spencer's now an adult, but back when Spencer was a kid, he was on Tom's football team. And when Spencer was sitting there and Tom stood up front, he didn't immediately recognize him. He didn't see Tom and realize that's the old coach. You know, he's dressed up for church and so forth. And it was when Tom got on the microphone and started to talk that Spencer perked up and said, oh, I, I know that voice, right? Because football coach, you've heard him yell at you enough. You know you should pay attention when you hear the football coach's voice. I know that voice. Well, that's how it should be with us in Jesus. When Jesus speaks, we should go, oh, I, I recognize that. I know that voice. Jesus himself says, the sheep will recognize the voice of the shepherd. He calls himself the good shepherd, and he says, the sheep will recognize the voice of the shepherd. The more we follow after him, the more we'll recognize his voice when we hear it. Uh, and I saw that in a powerful way here at Real Life this week. A couple days ago, we had a, a seminar here on listening to the Holy Spirit, and a big crowd of you showed up. And some people came in and coached us on how to listen to God, how to listen to God speaking into your life and into your heart today. And we did all kinds of exercises, which were, you know, stretched our comfort zones a little bit, but which, which taught us to practice listening to God. 
And we did this one exercise where there were probably about 60 people in the room and uh, 30 people stood up and 30 people were to stay at their seats. We numbered off and divided the room in half. 30 stood up and 30 stayed sitting. The 30 who were sitting were to close their eyes so they couldn't see anybody around them. The 30 who were standing up were to walk around the room and then go stand behind someone who they didn't know. And then tap that person on the shoulder so they would know somebody was standing there. But their eyes are still closed, so they know somebody's behind them. They don't know who it is. They haven't met. And they're supposed to be standing behind somebody they've never met before. Well, there's a guy in our church named Mike. Uh, Mike was here at the last service. And uh, Mike stood up, and he walked around the room, and he went and he stood behind somebody he didn't know. And he tapped that person on the shoulder so that person would know he was there. The person who was seated with his eyes closed was then told, now, just pray and tell the person behind you whatever you think God is saying. Now, I know Mike. I've known Mike for several years. Mike is a granddad. Uh, and Mike has uh, married into a family. And uh, his, his wife has a daughter who's not his daughter biologically, but he sort of adopted her and uh, caring for her. And she has a, a, a bunch of kids, uh, most of whom are girls. There's one boy and then a bunch of girls. And Mike is caring for all these these granddaughters, they're not his biological granddaughters, but he's taken them all in. And he's told me this before. I've heard him say this many times. He's intentionally taking a mentoring role with these, with these granddaughters and teaching them the Bible. And he's told me this before. So Mike walks up behind this guy who's seated with his eyes closed that he doesn't know, taps him on the shoulder, and then the person up front says, now if you're seated, pray and tell the person behind you what God says to you. And some people said, I don't hear anything at all. Some people said, you know, I feel like God saying he loves you. The person seated in front of Mike said, I feel like you're a grandfather caring for non-biological grandkids. And I see, I see a girl, and she is dancing and twirling with Jesus. And you have taken a mentoring role in her life, and you are teaching her the Bible. Now, you tell me how that happens. God speaks. God really does speak because he, he loves us. And when he does it, it's just so that we'll know he sees us and he cares about us. He wants us to know that we're known by him. When God speaks to you, it's never to shame you. It's not to embarrass you. It's just so that you'll know how much he loves you. And the more we listen the more we ought to recognize the voice of the shepherd, the more the players on the team ought to recognize the voice of the coach. Now, now if you want to listen to God, the first place to begin is the Bible. The Bible tells us everything we need to know about God. It tells us who God is. It tells us how to have a relationship with God. It tells us what faithful life looks like. And God is never going to contradict his word. His word is the authoritative source of everything we need to know about God. But we are not called to have a relationship with a book. We're called to have a relationship with a person. We're called to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The book points towards the person. The Bible points towards Jesus. The Pharisees and the Sadducees had a relationship with a book. They knew the law. They knew how to use it. They knew what it said. They knew how to interpret it. And they knew how to use it to control other people. Jesus doesn't want us to have a relationship with the Bible that way. The Bible points us towards Jesus. And Jesus is still speaking to tell us that he loves us, to call us to, to great things, to speak his truth into our lives. God still speaks today, and 
the shepherd, uh, as he speaks, teaches the, the sheep to listen for his voice. Um, I, I was thinking about this in, in recent weeks and thinking about what it's like to, to listen to God and to know his voice and to love the way he loves and to be annoyed the way he's annoyed. Uh, and I had this experience. It's sort of a new spiritual discipline that I've begun practicing, and I'd recommend it to you. Uh, I came across it by accident. Uh, I've told you that a few weeks ago I was at a conference in England, and the conference was all about listening to God. And I, so I, we were all practicing listening to God. And one day I was sitting at a cafe, and I was watching people walk by on the sidewalk in front of the cafe. And, you know, you've done this. You see people walk around, and you don't think much about it. They're all strangers to you. If you see one, you might say hi. See somebody you know, you might say hi. But everybody else is just a stranger. Well, not to God. When God sees us all seated here this morning, seated wherever we are, or when God sees us out walking around, we're not a stranger to him. When God sees us, no matter where we are, God feels a deep affection for us. When, when, when we walk by, God goes, oh, there, there he is, there she is. I love that one. Uh, and it, it, made me think, it made me think of this. It's kind of like when, when a, a parent sees their own kids. If I'm sitting somewhere and one of my kids walks by, I think, oh, I like that one. I like, I like them both. I like them both. That's not what I meant. I like them both. <laughs> oh, I like them so much. I wish I could play with them. I wish I could talk with them. I wish they were smaller so I could pick them up. She, she can almost pick me up now. Um, I, you know, you just feel a deep affection when it's your kids and you see them. Uh, Jesus feels that way when he sees every single one of us. We don't walk by a stranger. We walk by and Jesus goes, oh, I like that one. I like that one. And so sitting in this cafe, I thought, I'm going to try to see the world the way Jesus sees it. I'm going to sit here and think what that must feel like to look at every single person with that kind of affection. So I looked out at this crowd of people, and I thought, you know, people look funny. People are just funny looking. They've got all kinds of shapes and colors and sizes there. And I, and I pictured them the way, imagine, imagine a, a parade of little kids walking by, you know, especially like right when they get to that cute stage where they're just learning how to use their feet, you know, they're like two and they're kind of starting to, or one, I guess, they start to wander around, right? And, and, and it's so cute and they'll fall over and it's cute. And go, oh, that's sweet. Uh, and so I started to try to look at the, the crowd of adults walking by, but see them with those eyes, see them with those feelings. Like if this was a, just a parade of little kids, that's what it must feel like to God, where he just wants to pick every single one of them up, you know, you watch them tumble along and think how cute that is. So I'm watching and I see this, this lady walk and she kind of trips and spills her coffee. And I think, oh, that's adorable. That's adorable. She's saying all kinds of words you wouldn't normally hear at a Christian conference. Um, and, and then I think, I think, well, I think about babies. When people, like our nursery is full of babies now. When you see a, a baby, it doesn't matter if it's yours or not. It's just adorable. You just want to walk up and poke it and see if you can get it to giggle, right? You're not supposed to do this, but it's cute. You're going to poke it, right? You squeeze and see, right? It's, it's just fun to, to hold little babies, because they're so adorable. And I started looking at, at these, these crowd of adults and thinking, that's how God feels. Just like it's a, this parade of little kids, little babies walking by, that's so cute. You know, it turns out that uh, adults don't respond the same way to being poked and squeezed by a stranger. So, you know, who knew? Uh, if you don't believe me, find out for yourself. Um, no, 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 but honestly, I, that, that, that is the heart of God. Every single day, every single moment, right now, as God looks at all of us, he looks at us with that deep kind of affection because we are his kids. We are not strangers to him. He knows us and he loves us and he wants to, to hold us and play with us and bring us up. He wants to teach us good things. He wants us to grow and mature. And that is on the heart of God every single moment. So as we get in the boat with Jesus, as we travel with Jesus, and we learn to listen to his voice. 
more and more, I think, we will be annoyed by the things that annoy him and in love with the things that he's in love with. And I want to I pray for that for all of our hearts right now. If, if, you, if you want more of God's love in your heart, uh, pray with me. And if you want to put a hand out in front of you on a lap and just pray that you would receive God's love, pray with me right now. I'm going to invite the band to come out and start as we, as we pray. Let's, let's pray right now. Father, I thank you that you love us. And I, I pray your, your deepest affection would rest in our hearts. Help us to, to feel how deep your love is for each of us. Help us to feel how much you cherish us and care about us and would never let go of, never let go of us. I, I thank you that nothing we do is out of your sight. And I, I pray that more and more we would be people of faith who hear your voice and recognize it. That we immerse ourselves in your word and are guided by your spirit and know you. God, pour your love into us and then teach us us to love the way you love. Teach us to look around at the, the crowds around us, the crowds of strangers, and realize those are your children for whom you feel the deepest of affection. May we love the way you love. God, by the power of your spirit, by the power of your spirit, fill us with your love. Amen. Uh, and now we're going to... Um, we're going to enter into a little time of worship and, uh, and prayer. Uh, we started a little exercise uh, last week that we're going to continue this week. Um, we had a time of prayer at the end of the service, uh, and um, you know, we prayed for various things. Uh, but I'll tell you something that happened uh, last week. There was a moment at which uh, I prayed, uh, if, if, you need, if you need healing, you know, God, God wants to work miracles of healing, so let's pray for healing. And as I was praying, I felt like, uh, I was supposed to say, uh, especially for respiratory illnesses. And I thought, well, that's weird. Okay, I'll say it. And so I said it. And I said, if you have like a respiratory illness and you want prayer for that, raise your hand. And a couple people raised their hands, but nobody came forward. And I thought, oh, me, I'm not very good at this. Maybe I did that wrong. I don't know. And so I started talking. And, and then, I, then I, uh, I felt it again. I said, no, say cough. Say cough. And I said, okay, somebody has a cough. That, that's... And at that point, somebody came, came down who had had a cough for a long time that the doctors had not been able to fix and, and came down for prayer. Uh, and then I continued to pray, and I was going to pray for, for job, uh, jobs and people who are struggling in their jobs, and I, I felt this, this kind of push. Uh, it's, not, it's not an audible thing. It's just a strong feeling. Pray, pray, say the word finance. And I said, I'm not going to say the word finance because that's going to embarrass somebody. Said, Who's got a money problem? Raise your hand so we can all point at you. I mean, you know, that's, that doesn't feel right. So, so I prayed for, you know, people who are at, at, at junctures and turning points in their lives where, you know, there's maybe some financial pressure. And, and somebody came forward for prayer who, who has been struggling with a respiratory illness and has also just uh, left a job and is in a, a place of uh, financial pressure. Um, and when God does that, when God speaks to you and calls you out, it's just so you'll know how much he loves you. It's just so that you'll know he sees you. He knows what's going on in your life. He cares about it. He hasn't abandoned you. You're not out of his control. He loves you. And that's what Jesus wants to do. So stand with me if you would. And let's uh, spend some time asking God to speak. Let's just add, ask God to speak into our hearts uh, and teach us to listen. Uh, let me invite my prayer team forward. I know I've got a prayer team who's available. And they'll be up here all through our, our worship. The band's going to lead us in some uh, songs here. But if you want prayer at any time during our worship, you can come forward and one of these folks will uh, pray with you. Uh, and uh, let, let's, let's begin praying together. God, by the power of your spirit, teach us, teach us to listen to your voice. 
Uh, I thank you for how much you love every single child who is here, every one of your children, uh, that you just care with the deepest affection for everybody here. So, so if there's anybody here who, who's at that place now where they've been wanting to hear from you and they just don't know how that works, uh, but they're ready and they're saying, uh, Jesus, I want to know your voice. I want to know what it sounds like. I want to hear you. I want you to speak to me. If that's you, uh, would you raise your hand right now where you are? If you're, if you're at that place over here, okay, thanks, over here. If you're at that place where, where you want to hear from God, um, let's pray that. Uh, God, uh, speak to these who are, who are ready. Uh, I thank you that, that you wait for us, that you wait for us to raise a hand and say, I'm ready, that you're not, you're not forcing it on anybody, but that you're ready to, to speak your, your kind gentle whisper into people's hearts. Speak to these who are ready and who are asking for that. And then, Holy Spirit, touch the hearts of people who are, who are in need. Um, if you're at that place where You've actually never said before that you want to follow Jesus, but you're feeling it for the first time. You're feeling, yeah, I think I might, I might try this out. Jesus will, Jesus will welcome you on those terms. You don't have to have read the whole Bible and, and figured it all out. If you're ready to say, Jesus, I want more of you, uh, he's ready for that too. He will rush in at that moment. If that's you and, and you're ready to follow Jesus, would you raise your hand? God, may your spirit, may your spirit move. May your spirit move. Uh, touch people who are listening and who, uh, who want more of you, who just want to know you more. Uh, our prayer team is going to be up at the front uh, during our worship time together. Uh, if you want prayers for anything going on in your life, for healing, uh, for job transition, for family stuff, just come on forward. We're gonna, this is just going to be a regular part of our services where we pray together. Uh, as we sing. Uh, the band's going to now lead us in worship, and anytime you want to come forward, please do. Thanks for joining us today. Now, will you help us welcome others to real life? Share our podcast or find us on Instagram or Facebook at Real Life LA. If you'd like to become a supporter, please visit reallife.la and tap give to help us welcome everyone to real life. God bless and have a wonderful day.